Welcome back, everyone, to the Wiser Money Show. I'm your host, Zach, alongside with my co-host, Ken. As always, I apologize. Just want to, you know, address the elephant in the room. I am extremely congested. I have a summer cold. I have a 15-month-old child who just gets me sick all the time. But don't worry. I'm like Michael Jordan playing through the flu. So we are good. (laughs) We are going to crush this episode. And we really need to discuss putting tainted assets into a trust and why that is the third largest mistake that people do. And they end up actually putting the wrong assets into a trust. So Ken, explain to us what is a tainted asset? Because as far as I'm concerned, an asset in my head is a positive, but in the trust world, some assets could be a negative. Yeah. I mean, primarily it could be a boat, a car, an airplane, a four-wheeler, a dirt bike, a motorcycle, anything that has an extreme high liability. And I've seen people do this. So let's go through the idea of funding the trust is to eliminate the probate and have an outside party control it in case of disability or loss of cognizance. Right. If you take an automobile, I'm going to use Nevada. Uh, It's an at-fault state. Okay. And what that simply means is if you're driving down the highway and, and there's an accident, whether it's truly your fault or not, the trooper is going to make an assessment. The, uh, the policeman is going to make an assessment based upon what they see, whose fault it is. And where there's a no-fault state, it says no one's really at fault unless there's clear tortious interference or um, something that was like road rage or something like that. But if it's like a, 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 a maybe an accident at an intersection, they can claim it's no fault. And right. now if you run a red light and they can prove it, then it's at fault. But sometimes it just goes back to no fault. And so what no fault means, no one's really 100% at risk. But in an at fault state, and you could be driving through that state, right? Doesn't mean that you live there. It's where it happens. And in an at fault state, they could assess 100% of the liability. So, you know, the example I always use was, let's say, you know, you're, depending on wherever you live, you're on your way home and sun's in your eyes and, you know, setting and you can't really quite see that green light that's really a red light and you run that red light and you accidentally take out some neurosurgeon making $4 million a year. Yep. Well, that liability is four times earnings or 30 to $40 million is going to be the liability. So now you look back and you go, okay, my little auto insurance is going to cover 500,000. Maybe I got an umbrella for a million. It's a million five. You know, I'm on the hook for the other $28,500,000. Yeah. Now, an automobile is that tainted asset. Now, I do not want to lead anybody to believe, and just be clear, I'm not giving legal advice. This is not to tell you what to do. This is to make you aware of what's going on so you can get proper advice. But let's say as an example, you have a family trust. One of the biggest misperceptions is my family trust will protect me in case of a lawsuit. It does not. It will not. And it will never. Right. If you're the grantor of the trust, there is zero lawsuit liability protection. There's protection against probate. There's protection against disability, but there is zero protection against lawsuits. Now, if you're the child or the grandchild, 
of the, the beneficiaries and there's a sub-trust like we talked about, there can be asset protection. But if you're the grantor of the trust and you have access to take any of that money out at any time you want, there's zero asset protection. So here's how it works. Let's say that you're in a car accident. What do you got to exchange? You got to exchange insurance, driver's license, insurance card. Now, if you put your car into the trust, now I'm not saying this is a given. I'm saying reduce probabilities of risk. You can't always eliminate, but reduce probabilities. So now you're in that accident, you're exchanging insurance cards and you're exchanging registrations. And the other person goes, huh, trust for Zach shared. Huh. Zach must be pretty wealthy because yeah, it has a lot of wealthy money. people have trusts. Oh God, my neck hurts. I yep. think I hurt my back, right? So you reduce that probability. And in most states, they have something called um, abbreviated probate. And typically in most states, there's a limit. So if your car, I think the last time I looked in Nevada, it was if your automobile is under $100,000, you could transfer it by will. You didn't okay. need to have it in a trust. So a tainted asset is something that could cause a, a future liability because of the trust. It's not going to still, the trust still isn't going to protect it, but at least it keeps it quiet. Right. Okay. So that could be a tainted asset. Here's another tainted asset. You cannot take a annuity and or a IRA retirement plan and physically put it into the trust. You have to rename the beneficiary to the trust, which is a whole nother episode on the proper structure of beneficiaries, but you don't want to say, I'm going to change the owner of my IRA because it will cause a taxable event. Right. Okay. Now, one of the other things, I'm not going to say that this is a tainted asset, but it is a huge mistake people make. People, they'll go out and create an S-corp, a corporation, uh, an LLC. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they'll do it, typically they'll do it online to save money because they think that they're being wise and you do LLCs online and typically the operating agreements, which are kind of like the bylaws to a corporation are usually very abbreviated, do not give a lot of direction. They're just enough to be legal. They don't provide what's called a cap table. That's a capitalization table that says, here's how much the capital is and here, here's who owns it. They don't give a stock ledger. Now, I call that a stock ledger. If you have an LLC, it's technically a membership interest schedule, but the word stock usually makes more sense to people. Like, hey, stock, stock ledger, who owns the stock? LLCs don't technically have stock. They have membership interest, but it's the same darn thing as stock. Right. So when you open up one of these entities, what I find is about 99% of people never reissue the stock certificates to the name of the trust. They hold these LLCs and they do, sometimes they do a wonderful job on going out. I renamed my bank accounts. I renamed my brokerage accounts. I renamed the beneficiary of my IRA. I renamed the beneficiary of my life insurance. Great. Uh, do you have an operating company or do you have an LLC? Yes. Did you rename the stock? Oh, no. Didn't think about that. It's an asset. And right. the asset is the ownership of the asset is underlined by the stock itself. If you don't retitle the stock or the membership interest thereof to the name of the trust, 
guess what? That whole LLC is going to get locked down at death until yep. it goes to probing. So what? So what do you do? You just leave them? Well, obviously the membership interest you change, but like the other tainted assets, like if I have a boat, leave it in the, in my personal name. Uh, you can, or what's the other option? There are separate trusts or LLCs that you can create to protect the asset itself. So we look at things like Delta Airlines, and I don't know if they're still doing this, but 20 years ago, they were placing Delta, a, a single airplane in a single entity. Okay. And it, their hope was it would eliminate any future liability. Uh, we've learned since that, you know, if they crash a plane and kill 250 people, they're going to look for a liability. And what is it that those 250 people's families can claim against Delta? So it, it's been an old concept to separate, to protect. You firewall around an asset. So if you have a boat, you can create a separate vehicle LLC. Okay. You have to be careful how you operate it, what income you put in and take out to make sure you don't become personally liable. Yep. Bottom line is, though, if you're driving a boat, there's a great story about Sarasota. Um, in Sarasota, if you drive down right in Center City, there's this beautiful, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, uh, story glass building right in the corner. And, you know, all the brokers are in there. Smith Barney's in there. Merrill Lynch is in there. And the story is, and I don't, I've not verified this, but when 20, maybe 30 years ago, the story is the guy that built that and owned it, his son was driving a big speedboat drunk and ran over a girl in the water, killed her. Oh. And the family sued and got that building. And again, that's not verified. That's the rumor that's always been around Sarasota. But it is based in legal facts that if the boat was the dad's, the boat was given to the son, but the son drank, there is pass-through liability to the dad. And depending upon how he firewalled those different things, he, if it was true, either left himself wide open or you can self-contain those little assets into their own little protected containers. Got it. Okay. So, so there is ability to bifurcate some of these tainted assets. I put tainted in quotes for those who can't see me, but it might not always be the best thing to do. No, I mean, this is really where a team of, um, a good asset protection lawyer, a financial planner, an accountant, um, as long as they really have a good communication and they're both experts. And again, I really want to specify, just because somebody can do something does not mean that they do it well. Right. Because we see a lot of lawyers and there's also called document prep agencies where they're legally allowed to prepare legal documents and, and charge for it. There's a lot of those legal Zoom, um, you know, I don't know how many places are online. And the problem is, is that it's the legal document itself, but there's not a lot of context or foundation or experience that goes into different ways of doing different things. Right. So, yeah, somebody, when it comes to trust funding and tainted assets, you try to get all those marbles, like when we talked about trust funding, you know, you got that 50 gallon container and a whole bunch of marbles, your marbles are your assets, your container is the trust. You try to get all the marbles in the in the container. Well, there are some of those marbles that are black marbles. You don't not we don't want, want those. In the container. 
Right. Awesome. 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 Well, that is really what, what mistake number three is all about, our tainted assets in a trust. If there are any questions on what assets that you may have that are they tainted assets, are they the right assets, feel free, comment, reach out to us. You know where to get a hold of us, and we will definitely respond and address your concern at that point. But other than that, we are going to sign off here so we can get ready to bring you our next episode of Retitling Entities and IRAs, which is mistake number four. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone.